Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Hey, well, I want to, um, I want you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Galatians. And I want to tell us, I want to set this up a little bit this morning. And there's just a passage that uh, uh, I think will really help us this morning. We've come out of a season of many of us being part of life for many years, and we've been uh, very faithful in honoring God and sowing into this vision. And uh, the last few weeks, we are, you know, summiting what we call our, our Everest as a church, coming toward the end of our 2020 vision. Many of us have been very uh, generous uh, personally. Uh, and corporately as a church, uh, this church is a very generous church with the amount of stuff that we give back into our community. And there is a principle in the Bible called the law of sowing and reaping. Uh, this is not an arbitrary piece of advice that God just sort of plucked out of the sky. This is a law. And God's laws are really a description of reality from an infinite perspective. And you know that when Jesus died on the cross... Uh, nothing changed with the law of gravity because he didn't die on the cross to eradicate the law of gravity. Law does never need to be erased. And I want us to understand this, 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 um, these few passages in the book of Galatians. And let me read this and then we'll make some uh, comments on it. Galatians chapter 6, uh, Paul says in verse 7, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that also will he reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. And he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season... Everyone say due season. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. I've got four main points I want to bring out of the Scripture, just to really encourage us, uh, us with this morning. But you know this book of Galatians is actually the oldest piece of Christian literature that exists in the New Testament. It was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, who uh, some say was a very small man. They, history says that he probably had a hunchback and a hooked nose. And I can imagine this little fella, Paul, coming in. He had been beaten with rods. He'd been shipwrecked. He'd been whipped. He's probably had, you know, scars all over his body and was limping. But this old guy, when he came in there, they reckon he was bald. Uh, the word Paul actually means small. I didn't mention that in the first service because Pastor Paul was here this morning. <laughs> but I can imagine this old guy, you know, Paul, come limping in and everyone's like, is that the great apostle? Then he had a little twinkle in his eye. I rejoice in the Lord, I say. And again, I say rejoice. And you realize this little man whose body was beaten and he even said of himself, he's unoppressive in appearance. But yeah, he wasn't Irish. <laughs> he was Jewish. But uh, that's how I picture him in my mind. But when he began to speak, you realize this big V8 under the bonnet and this incredible revelation that he carried. And uh, Paul was, was sent out as a missionary uh, from a church in Antioch, and he came out with his uh, fellow missionary Barnabas, and they sailed on the high seas across to a little place called Cyprus, and they went across to a place uh, in the region of modern-day Turkey. 
uh, where the, uh, the, the Celtic people, the, the Gaelic people come from. And there was a region there called Galatia. And uh, he labored there for a, a period of time. We don't know exactly how long. And many, many people uh, came to faith in Christ. The Bible says God wrought incredible miracles by the hands of Paul. And a wonderful church was raised up out of a predominantly uh, a secular background. These weren't Jewish people who came to faith. They were just pagan people who got saved. And um, this was in Galatia. And I remember working on a building site years ago. This was the, from the Gaelic people. And there was a guy that worked on a building site when I was uh, 17, came out of high school, and I did a four-year carpentry apprenticeship. And my first year, I was working on the Starship Children's Hospital in, uh, in Grafton there. And I, I, I remember, can't remember now whether this guy, an older builder there, whether he was Scottish or Irish, but I remember he had a thick accent. And he said to me one time, he said, Cumble, eh? He said, you know what your name Cumble means? I said, no, I, I don't. My parents never told me. I just, I, I never even thought about it. He says, Cumble, he comes from two words, you know, um, Cam and Bull. He said, um, uh, is a Gaelic name. He's uh, from the region of Galatia, he said. He said, Cam means crooked. I said, oh, that's not very good. <laughs> and he said, Bull means mouth. So Cumble means crooked mouth. I'm like, oh, thanks a lot, buddy. <laughs> and he said, oh, it could also mean like loud, loud mouth. I thought, oh, gosh, this is not getting a whole lot better here. And he says, oh, no, it could also mean like an orator, one who speaks forth. I said, I'll take that, buddy. <laughs> and uh, this was the region where Paul went and started this church in the region of Galatia. And an amazing, beautiful church. They appointed elders there, and they hugged them and, and went on their journey, went back to Antioch. And uh, just like God you know, often does, he sends a blessing. But, you know, how many know that, you know, uh, the devil's always lingering around? And some false teachers came into that church and began to preach false doctrine. And uh, there was all sorts of stuff that was said and really set the church on a, on a wrong trajectory. And Paul wrote this little six-chapter letter to the, to the Galatian church to realign their thinking. And one of the things he said in Galatians 3, will come up behind me, he said, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? that you should stop obeying the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was very clearly portrayed among you as crucified. And the apostle is saying, I came into your region and I painted this beautiful picture of a wonderful God and creation and the fall of man and the Redeemer who came from heaven to earth and gave his life and suffered and died as an atonement for the souls of every man, woman, and child. And I learned this years ago that if God's going to bless you, he will send somebody. But if the devil wants to curse you, he will send somebody. But either way, your blessing or your cursing will come wrapped up in skin, which is very important who we really allow access into our life and who we really do life with. And some false teachers came in and that church got all messed up. And this little six-chapter letter was written to that church to realign their thinking in a number of areas. And uh, he began to set the church back on this, right, on this right pathway. And one of the things he said to them, he talked to them about the whole law of sowing and reaping. And this whole law is uh, a universal law. It is really a description of how life really works. Uh, so much so that Jesus would make comments like this. Jesus would say, give and it will be given back to you. 
good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running all over, will people, you know, give back into your, give back into your life. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Jesus lived on this earth, but he understood the spiritual matrix and how life really operates. Jesus also made this comment, and he said, Blessed are the merciful, for they, not everyone else, but they, those who are exercising mercy and working through the hard issues of life where they have been offended, hurt, uh, and often in life really, really damaged. But when you have worked through and you have forgiven that person, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy from God. But if that person doesn't cross that threshold and step over and let go of the bitterness and let go of the revenge and let go of the poison and get that out and actually say, I forgive that person for what they did to me. God, I relinquish, I let go of that anger and get that out of my heart, that will poison you. But what a beautiful feeling that hits your life when you work through, and it's not easy, and it might take some intentionality, but Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, because they will receive mercy from God. Uh, the Bible says that he who has friends must show himself friendly. If you're an unfriendly person, uh, and you're very stern, and you don't show interest in other people, and you're all about yourself, you will struggle in life to have close friendships. So I, you know, I, I, I try in life, and I learned years ago, uh, you know, to try and be, uh, not everyone can be your friend, but you can be friendly to everyone. Amen? And often in the morning, I'm walking my dog, and I walk past different people, and, and uh, good morning, you know, top of the morning to you, you know, good morning. And some people, good morning, and they're pleasant. Some people you say good morning to, they don't even look at you, and they just keep going. And I don't know uh, that person's background. I don't know what has made them like that, where they look cold and they look angry and they're upset. And I don't know what it is. And uh, in my human nature, I'm like, well, blow you too then. You know, <laughs> stuff you. You don't want to be friendly. But I understand this law that I can sow a smile. I can lift my eyebrows. I can be pleasant toward them. I don't know what they think of my culture. I don't know what they think of you know, this guy that rides around walking his dog in the morning on his, on his you know, mountain bike. And, uh, but, you know, I can sow warmth. And every single day we can sow a smile. We're sowing. And, you know, uh, it's much like uh, if you were to drop a big stone into a pond. For every cause, there is an effect. You drop that stone into that pond, splash, and ripples begin to come out. And everything we do as human beings is a bit like that. There is an impact from it. And the Bible says in uh, Genesis chapter 1, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit had a committee meeting one day. And they said, come, let us, all three of us, make little finite replicas of ourselves now, there is, we, are, we are not God, and we will never be God. But he said, come, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. There is nothing else in creation that is made in the image and likeness of God. A tree is not made in God's image. An elephant is a glorious creation, but it is not made in God's image. But my friend, you and I are. Now, in what way are we like God? Because God is a spirit 
He's invisible. We are material and we are natural. So I'm not like God physically. God is uh, actually omnipresent. He is in Russia. He's in Ukraine. He's in South America. He's in Fiji. And he's right here right now. God is present everywhere simultaneously. I'm not like that. But I am made and you are made. We are made in the image and likeness of God, which means that we are free will, moral beings. And we have the ability to choose between right and wrong. And when God made Adam and Eve, he put them in this beautiful tropical paradise. And he very clearly set out his plan and his agenda. There was no expense spared. Everything was free. Beautiful flamingos, <laughs> birds of paradise, waterfalls, tropical, coconuts, everything beautiful. <laughs> and God says, fill your boots. It's yours. Enjoy it replenish the earth and have fun and love me and just one thing if you disobey me you will disconnect from the source of life and there are very very real consequences if you disconnect from the source of life the only other opportunity the only other consequence is death and he would have explained that to them and so God set this truth very clearly before their mind he gave them the ability to understand it and he said, this obedience will lead to blessing. Disobedience will lead to death and, and curses and sorrow and misery. And God gave us the ability to be free and not to be a robot, but to choose. Now, my friend, what is free is responsible for its own actions. You will never see an elephant in the court of law giving an account for its conduct. But you will see, uh, Coral's been on jury service the last week, and, you know, you'll be in the court, and you're hearing different cases. And, you know, what is free is responsible for its own actions. And what is responsible is also accountable to God for what we do with our free will. And cats and dogs and elephants and flamingos and trees and mountains and rivers, the sun, the moon, and the stars are not made in God's image. They are not accountable for their actions, but we are uniquely, for we are made in the image of God. And so this is a law that existed back in the Garden of Eden. There are consequences, and everything we do in life is like a stone going into a pond, and there are effects that come out for it. And so Paul wrote to this church, and he said, guys, don't be deceived. You can't get around this. This is a law like the law of gravity. If you are generous and you sow, God has got a million and one ways of getting stuff back into your life. Paul's like, I don't know how it works, but he is the Lord of the harvest. And you can't outgive God. God is God. He is big. He is powerful. He has got a million and one ways to get stuff. He is the king of the stuff. And Jesus said, don't worship the stuff. Worship the king of the stuff. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all that stuff. He can get it to you. But just don't focus on the stuff. Focus on God and his agenda. And the king of the stuff will get the stuff to you. But don't get that mixed up. Amen? So this is a very powerful truth that affects every area of our life. Um, you know, I, uh, I learned years ago that when I uh, could be in a church foyer and I could be having a conversation to someone for two minutes, um, that's precious time that I've got two minutes with that person and I learn I can sow into this two minutes or I can be distracted. 
And how many know if I'm talking to someone and I'm, I'm waving to a mate over there and I'm, I'm checking my phone, I'm not sowing into that relationship for two minutes? You see, everything is sowing. You can sow a smile and sow warmth. You might not get a, 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 a mutual response back. That's all right. God is the Lord of the harvest. Don't be an angry person. Don't be staunch. Smile and sow. Amen? Sow, uh, uh, sow one of those. <laughs> so, you know, uh, sow because uh, everything you sow, it will come back to you. Amen? Uh, I love the fact that in life we have literally got hundreds and hundreds of volunteers that are sowing. Right now there is a massive team working out in our kids' department and our fuse department looking after our tamarikis and our mokopunas as we're in here listening to the Word of God. There is a wonderful team out there looking after our kids, sowing into our kids. Uh, Cora was talking to a wonderful lady this week who heads up one of our soup kitchens, and this lady was saying how she takes their kids along every week, and she wants the kids to understand that this is not just about mummy and daddy doing this because this is a particularly our, our hobby. We're doing this because people matter to God. These people in this suburb where we're serving matter to God, and they are role modeling it to their kids about generosity and helping others. And they say... One in the eye is worth a thousand in the air. You can talk all you want, but until your kids see you practicing what you preach, they won't believe it. Oh, that's just mummy and daddy talking. But when they see you actioning it, and those children of that, of that couple are very fortunate to be a mum and a dad who are role modeling authentic Christianity and helping people in their community less fortunate than them. Amen? You know, uh, you know, we got to sow into our, our into our marriage, and all the wives said. Amen. I was uh, picking something up on um, Thursday over Cockle Bay Way for a sister of mine. Brought something on trade me. Oh, Cam, can you pick it up over there? He said, "Oh, I'll go and pick it up." I thought I'll take my dog down to Cockle Bay. It's nighttime, uh, eight thirty. Tide was in. Just a beautiful night. Just walking up and down the beach. Sun, sun was out. No, moon was out. <laughs> just moon bathing, you know. And just talking to the Lord, walking up and down, had the beach to myself. And I turned around, there's a beautiful little cottage there with these like fairy lights. And it's a restaurant. And I've seen it before. And I thought, man, that's just beautiful. It's a beautiful night. I need to take my wife there. So, because <laughs> how many know you've got to continue to invest into our key relationships in life? So I went up there and I looked, I looked like saw the menu out there. Oh, that looks some nice food in there. And I looked through the windows and had my beanie on and my swan dry there. And some people in there, posh people having a meal there. Oh, who's that scary man out there with a dog? And then they're like, hey, Pastor Cam, is that you? I'm like, oh, yeah, I know you guys. So I walked in there. Excuse me, everybody. <laughs> had a chat to them. But I thought, man, you know, every key relationship in our life, we need to be investing into it. We've got kids at 19 and 17, and over the years, just continually thinking our children are a priority. God is a priority, church is a priority, but our kids are our priority. And sometimes I see, uh, I've seen you know, young couples, you know, singles serving God, suddenly they get married and they're all about, oh, my partner, my partner, and they, they hardly see them at church, and it's almost like they forget who, where the blessing came from in the first place. And then kids come along, and oh, my little precious, and I can't take my precious out. It's winter, and you might catch a cold, and you know, little precious is at home. You know, well, our, our two little precious ones were like two and three months old. We were starting a church down in Windy Wellington, and they were at church every morning, every night, and, uh, and, and, and it was been a blessing to them. 
you know, you can walk and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> Some people are like, oh, no, I'm married now. I've got kids now, and it's all about my kids. Well, yeah, it's still about God and his church and family. It can all blend together. But you've got to continue to invest into your children. And so over the years, I take my daughter out for a date, and we go to a nice little place somewhere and have a dinner date, or down the road and have a coffee and a muffin, just sit there and, you know, continue to invest. Uh, a year or so ago, I was, uh, my son and I started watching arm wrestling on YouTube and following these different guys, and, and, uh, and then we're doing some on the kitchen table, and I thought, no, this is not very good, we need to make it, so we made a table, and, but in the, you know, we have a lot of fun with it. You jump on it a couple of times a week at 10 o'clock at night. Come on, Ezra, jump on the table there and load up there and doing an arm wrestling and having fun. But honestly, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, this is something I can do with my son. It's a way I can connect with my son. He'll have all of his mates come around and they all jump on the table, has a birthday party, a whole bunch of young boys, and they're all having arm wrestling competitions. And you know, it's serious when the tops start coming off and it's bare chested. <laughs> And I say to them, when you do arm wrestling, you've got to have a theme song. You've got to cue that up so you come into a theme song. You've got to have a stage name. It's not, it's not, just, it's not just Keith, you know. It's, it sounds boring. It's got to be Keith the Crusher or something, you know. You've got to have a stage. So, but, it's, but it's sewing into key relationships. And, you know, we'll come to our Christmas holidays, and our kids are looking forward to going to Epic Camp. They've got friends. Oh, come and stay with us at Wangamata. Come and stay with us here. Go camping with us there. And as much as our kids love all of their friends, they're like, Mom and Dad, we want to be with you. And they'll still do that stuff, but they'll make sure they get a solid week, at least with us, because their favorite people to be with is still us. Because when you sow, you will reap back. And so sowing and reaping, yes, it applies financially, and this context is connected to financial sowing. But Paul is saying, don't be deceived. Whatever you sow, you will also reap. Amen? Um, you know, I just want to say this. Sometimes I've had to sow margin into our lives uh, or sow rest into, you know, when life gets really busy and you're going from one thing to another thing and family and taking kids to sports and taking kids here and dropping, praise God, those years are over. They've both got their licenses now. But life gets so busy and another social function and someone's 21st and someone's wedding anniversary and someone's getting married and this and that and another social function. And I said to Carl, I, I, can't, I can't do this. She said, well, you need to be there. I'm like, Carl's like, this energizes me. I'm like, God bless you. Go to it. <laughs> I said, I need to stay home and so margin into my life on a Saturday night. So when I get to Sunday morning, my tank is filled up and I've got energy for you. Amen? So sowing works in every area of our life. Notice in verse um, 8 there, he says, For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, and he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Do you notice in Paul's brilliance, he said, guys, there's really only two categories that you can invest your life into. I would thought, please, a third category, a fourth option maybe, a demilitarized zone down the middle, a gray area. It's like, no, you're either sowing to the flesh, which is all about me, myself, and I. I've got this feeling. Oh, I've got this impulse. That would feel nice. I want, oh, I want, I want, I want. The lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, me, myself, and I. Secular humanism philosophy. He said, you can sow into that, and the result will be corruption. 
It'll be bad for you emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, relationally, in every area of your life you will lose. But if you sow into the Spirit, which is God, I'm here to glorify you. I'm here to build your church. Lord, I'm here to serve others because the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life. So we will serve for the season in the, in the soup kitchen. We will serve. We will help. We will be here to serve and be a blessing. We're not just consumers, we, and we're not just participators. We are contributors, and we are bringing something to the occasion. And so, you know, people occasionally say, oh, Campbell, you know, life's hard, and I'm juggling this and that, and life is difficult. And, and the Apostle Paul understands that, because look at verse 9. He says, don't grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Now, this is not an exact science. I don't know how it works, but Jesus is the Lord of the harvest, and he has got a thousand and one ways to get stuff and blessing into your life. I don't know how it works. And over the years, it's a little bit frustrating when you hear someone who just sort of, sort of you know, in a cavalier manner, oh, you know, I haven't, you know, given or tithed, but last week I started tithing on Sunday. On a Monday, my boss called me into his office, and I got a $20,000 pay rise. I'm like, God bless you. God bless you, my friend. You know, and, that's, and I rejoice with that person, but it's not an exact science, and it doesn't always work like that. But there is a principle that just like dropping a stone into water, there are effects that come out from that. And God is no man's debtor. And if you will sow financially, even what is precious, and you might think, Lord, this is, this, is not, this is not much. But, you know, if we all do something, we are contributing to this corporate vision and the impact corporately from this church. And, man, there's going to be some incredible harvest coming into this church in the years to come with the amount of uh, resource, human resource, and finances we're investing back into our community, we're sowing. There's going to be a huge harvest coming back in in the days to come. And I turned 50 at the end of this year, and in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, man, when I get to 60, 65, 70, I still want to be healthy. I want to have all my marbles up here, and I want to be keen because we've got an exciting future, and I want to be healthy and strong and ready to serve God in the decades to come. Amen? Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That's interesting. There is a due season harvest. In the four natural seasons, you know springtime is coming and when springtime kicks in and when the blossoms are going to come out and when the crops are going to, you know, be produced. But spiritual seasons are a little bit different and we don't know exactly when and where. But Paul says this, make sure you just keep doing good. Keep doing good. You might say, oh, oh Lord, Campbell, I'm tired. I've been doing this for five years, and I'm sowing and giving it. Well, what's the option? We either keep serving God, we either keep being faithful and honoring God and loving our families and loving our church and being a blessing to society. What's the other option? Oh, this is hard? Let me tell you hard, life is hard, period. It's a lot easier when you've got Jehovah on your side. Amen? Because what is the, oh, blow this, this is too hard. What are you going to do? Turn around and become selfish and me-centric? 
let me tell you, the results of that lifestyle, you will get a whole lot more miserable and a whole lot, you know, worse place. So Paul says, Kia kaha, I know it's hard sometimes, and in this matrix, you can't see where the blessing is coming from, but he said, let us continue to do good, for in due season we shall reap if, notice condition, condition, if we don't faint. Which means you could be like, you know, three steps, four steps, five steps, the blessing could be coming hypothetically at 10 steps, you get to seven, eight, nine, oh, this is too hard, I quit, I pull the pin, I give up on God. You are so close to your blessing, but Paul says we will reap if we do not faint. My friend, our salvation, our faith in Christ must endure. Jesus said, he who endures to the end, he shall be saved. Our faith has to go the distance. And as long as you stay submitted to God, you might feel like quitting sometimes, but it's amazing as you surrender to God how he just puts that energy and that grace flows into your life, gives you that, oh, that, oh God, you're worthy. You sing a song, tear rock, God, this is a hard season, but God, you're so good. And God just keeps you going. My friend, what's the other option? Pretty bleak. The other, and there are only two options. You're either sowing to the flesh or you're sowing to the spirit. And then he finishes with this beautiful verse in verse 10. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to everyone on earth, but especially to the household of faith. And Paul is saying, guys, charity has got to start at home. Never mind about trying to save the world if you can't even love your own family. And he said, we've got to learn to love each other, love your fari karakia, love your, you know, your church, love your church family. Um, you know, keep, keep sowing into your church family because, man, we've got to look after ourselves and support ourselves because out of the strength, we can then reach out into our communities. And it's interesting, Paul says, as we have an opportunity, interesting, I'll have some opportunities you won't have. You'll have opportunities I won't have. But God, the Lord of the harvest, will provide you an opportunity. And it may look like a crisis, but right in that crisis, God's there saying, now be very careful the way you respond in this season. This is some of your most precious seed. Be very careful how you respond. A little widow lady came into the temple one day and she had saved up her last few copper coins. She probably had tears in her face. And as she threw those in, she didn't know that was her day. Because Yeshua, the Mashiach, the Hebrew Messiah, was sitting right there, and he saw what was put in, and that message has gone right around the world. That was her opportunity. A man was walking down to Jericho one day, and he happened upon a man who had been beaten up and was bloodied and bruised and bleeding, and a priest and a Levite had been and gone, and no one was there to look after this man. And he thought, well, God, this is in my path. This is my Kairos moment. This is my opportunity. And he knelt down and he got his little bag out and he got some Dettol and some Savalon and he put it on his wounds. He put some bandages. He says, get on my donkey. And he took him down to, you know, the local motel, hotel, looked after him. That story is recorded in scripture and we're all being inspired by the Good Samaritan. That was his opportunity. I met a lady in the foyer, a very quiet, quite a shy lady, the other last Sunday in the foyer, and a beautiful lady had seen her in the pews after the, uh, in the, you know, in the auditorium after the service, and just thought, no one's talking to that lady. Come, come, let me buy you a coffee. And this lady said, Pastor Campbell, come and meet this lady I've just met, and I introduced her. 
And, uh, you know, this lady who did that act of introducing and befriending this person could have just come in at 11 o'clock and gone out at quarter past 12, but she realized church isn't just the service. Church is also the meeting after the meeting. And there are opportunities waiting in this foyer for me. We've got eyes to see there are people that God will bring across our path. My friend, God is providing opportunities. And Paul says, as we have an opportunity, let us do good to all and especially to the household of faith. Let's keep doing good. Let's keep sowing. Let's keep loving our families. Let's keep giving. Let's keep praying. Let's keep trusting God. Let's keep putting one foot in front of the other. Let's wipe the tears away sometimes when you go through a tough season. Pain won't hurt you. Well, it will hurt you sometimes. <laughs> but I've said to God, this hurts. God, this really hurts. Different. God, this really hurts. But like I said, God, so long as this pain is redemptive and you can use this pain for your glory, it's all right. Bring it on. I don't care. I don't care, Lord. So long as this pain is productive and you can redeem it and use it for your glory, Lord, I'm not going back. And metal is forged into, iron is forged into your soul in the hard times. Because going back to our old lifestyle, our old non-Christian lifestyle of living for the flesh, me, myself, and I, is not an option. We just keep walking forward with a hand in the hand of our Savior, amen, and doing good. Let's, let's bow our heads. You know, some of you are struggling maybe with reading your Bible and you don't have a, a Bible reading plan or you don't know currently where to read from. Let me encourage you to take this little book of Galatians, maybe even take these four verses that I spoke of this morning and print those out and put them on your bathroom mirror put a copy in your pocket and just begin to meditate on these verses because I believe this is a truth that all of us need, that our life is about investing and sowing in every sphere of our life. Jesus, we thank you this morning that you are the Lord of the harvest. And I thank you for your, Lord, this truth recorded in the book of Galatians. And I pray you would take these simple words of truth, God, and you would burn them indelibly into our hearts Impress them upon our minds. Help us to live a life that is centered on you. Help us to live for you and represent you to everyone we meet, everyone we come in contact with. Lord, we want our lives to count. And I thank you for providing opportunities for us, God. Give us eyes to see and a heart to perceive the divine opportunities you are bringing our way for us to do good and be a blessing to others. We commit ourselves to you this morning. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you were encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at any of our Auckland campuses. If you're not in Auckland, then check us out, church online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifenz.org or download the Life app to stay connected and find out more.